$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. All right, let's do this while we can. Ready? Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. How you doing over there? Not the best we've ever been. (laughs) There have been some landscapers just flitting in and out of (laughs) Haley's orbit. Mowing and blowing. Drive by mowing and blowing. We don't know if they're going to come back. So Just before that, I lost the Patreon episode I just edited. So, you know, it's a little messy time over here. That's okay. That's all right. I do have a funny story that will hopefully turn your frown upside down. You ready? Yeah, I'm not frowning. I know. No, you actually are smiling. You're handling this so much better than I would. I am applauding you from afar. This is for our Patreon besties and you and me. This morning, I had to go out and buy underwear (gasps) because I have just neglected my laundry (laughs) for so long that I have run out of underwear and I had to go out and buy some. Okay, Lorelai. I think I have a better excuse than that of the Gilmore Girls because they have laundry at their house. Where is it? And yeah, we don't know where it is, but I have to walk two and a half blocks away to drop off my laundry so it's different oh my gosh see that's the one thing I miss about being in New York because like I hate doing laundry like I will mop your house my house the like house next really door, but I will I hate laundry why I don't know I just hate doing it that's all right I hate doing the dishes yeah well dishwasher oh I don't have one of those either wow, <laughs> wow. and I'm paying so much money for it too <laughs> but there's a laundry place right next to my apartment in New York and it was like less than a dollar a pound so I would just like give it to them and I would come back from work and it would be wash and folded and they would leave it outside my door um because I like developed a nice relationship with the man because I literally went like every single Monday morning I love that he's like I'll leave it at your door if you want me to and I'd get home and my laundry was sitting by my door wow that's love that's like the one thing I miss where do you buy your underwear um Marshall's I have a Marshall's very close by real real talk I get clearance clearance panties why not this pair of underwear cost me two dollars and eighty cents absolutely it's worth it but I really should do my laundry that's the moral (laughs) of the story you should do your laundry But anyway, I thought you'd get a kick out of it and our Patreon besties because I fully admitted to that when we did Kiss and Tell. I was like, look, this is me. This is my entire personality. If I run out of underwear, I will go buy some. It's none or new. Yes, none or new. So I feel like lately, like neither of us have been really like very active on TikTok, but it just so happened that yesterday, I guess when we're recording this, it'll be last week for our pals. We just so happened to like post like the same exact TikTok at like the same time. At the same time. (laughs) It was so freaky. Literally, I posted it and yours like came up as it was loading. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Yet another reason added to the list of why we're telepathically connected. And they were both about (laughs) Dean. Oh my God. The comment that I made is like, we have a better 
connection than like the Wi-Fi at my house because that's always going out. I was going to say that's not hard to be, but I understand <laughs> the sentiment. On the last episode, we asked all of our Instagram besties the plot holes that they most noted. And I put on my TikTok story, like which ones people wanted us to fix mm. because this episode is kind of going to be us like revisiting some of the ones from the last episode, new yeah. ones that people have mentioned. And it's kind of going to be a little bit like fan fiction-y. Mm. <laughs> but the question I had for you that I wanted to ask you is did you read Gilmore Girls fan fiction growing up I did not you didn't I have never read any Gilmore Girls fan fiction at all Tara really have you ever written it no I was thinking about doing it during COVID once I started gaining a following no I remember this yeah this was like just when I had recently started interacting with you yes because I told you that I did but it was only writing scenes Mm. like that we didn't see to like practice writing in the voice of a TV show rather than like in my own voice. I love that. And I remembered you were like going to do it. Yeah, I put it out there. I was like, should I do this? And some people were like, oh my God, yes. And then I moved back to New York and it kind of got away from me. Yeah, just got busy. Yeah. And I was also catering to my television series and putting that through the film festival circuit. But no, I never have. And I don't know how, how I would do at it. Like you writing it or reading it? Um, both. I read so much. Yes, this I know. This I know. Growing up, like there are some that like I like think back on them, and I'm like, no, that was not a plot point in the show. There's like this one. I think I've mentioned it before. I can't find it, and I don't remember what the name is. So if you know what I'm talking about, please send me a link to it. It was on fanfiction, like .net.com, whichever one it is, and it was Logan's point of view through season five. (gasps) Ooh, that I would love to read. Yeah, it was good, but the problem was, and like this was the problem with all Gilmore Girls fanfiction, is that they really like infantilize Rory a lot. They're trying to make her like quirky Lorelai, but like Rory's like really serious to some degree, and like kind of rigid and like needs to like kind of be like shaken up a little bit to Mm. be a little bit goofy yeah but she was always like a child like as a college student so like that's kind of like the only thing that I didn't really like about it but like I keep wanting to go back and read that one because I'm like I just remember loving it so much because it was all about Logan you know oh my god of course I've never written it to post but I've always Mm. like you know I've always wanted to I think something that I would love to do is I would love to write a prequel series Mm, that I think I would be good at because I know the nooks and crannies of this show. I thought about the possibility of writing a prequel series about Emily and Richard in the style of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, it would be so good with Hopi. Yeah. Emily's sister. Yeah. Gorgeous. Emily in that blue dress. Something like that would excite me more than writing fan fiction. I think if I was younger, I would want to write fan fiction because I was so invested, especially in the storyline between Rory and Jess. Because that's what I was wondering if you did. Because Kaylee... Kaylee Reed, it's actually Kaylee on TikTok. She wrote Jess and Rory fanfiction during the pandemic. Oh, she did. Yeah. It's like such like a cringy thing to say like fanfiction. I but know. Like when we like alter the storyline that that's like kind of what we're doing yeah but like a prequel to a show that you're like basing it on it's fan fiction absolutely but yeah that is something that I think I would gravitate more towards I also am a big fan of prequels yeah that's why I loved Wicked uh, because it's yeah. the prequel to the Wizard of Oz I love Back to the Future like I love um when you kind of get a glimpse into what came before you like I love mm, things like that yeah. so I would really get down with doing a fan fiction that catered to a prequel of this series yeah see that's how I kind of feel like in the same excitement of like I want to write Rory's book Ooh. like Gilmore Girls yeah like I have the Gilmore Girls novels yeah boring 
honestly. I know. Yeah, I, I had a couple of them growing up. Nothing happens that like doesn't happen in the show. Yeah. It's only Rory's perspective. Yeah. And I just think that would be so interesting. Mm. I want to see what this show would be like from like an internal perspective from Rory who we like never see any of her like thoughts or yeah. we never hear any of her thoughts. Yeah. She's a hard person to externalize what's going on inside her mind. Very true. But... It's kind of what we're doing today. Yeah. It's kind of a fan fiction-y episode because we're going to fix some plot holes that you guys sent to us and some that, like, I just want to fix. Because, like, a lot of them, they're just, like, there's literally no way to fix some of them. Yeah. Because it's just, like, that's just how it happened. Yeah. Like, a lot of people said a plot hole was, like, Rory becoming valedictorian. Oh, why? They think that Paris deserved it. I'm like, well, I could see if people thought that not only Paris deserved it, but, like, Rory just didn't have enough time to catch up to surpass Paris. That it, like, doesn't add. She started in her sophomore year, so like two and a half years to catch up. That's a that's a lot, right? It is, but when you're standing next to someone like Paris Geller, where an A minus is a big deal, and Rory got a D on her Deer Hunters paper, right? I'm not saying that that was normal for her, but like it takes a while. Like when you really tally it up, honestly, I would have guessed it would have been Paris. I respect them for making that decision. I like the choice. Me too. I thought it was really sweet. Personally, Paris deserved it. I liked the choice in the show that it was Rory. And I also liked how humble she was about it. She didn't even tell her mom. Yeah. I always cry at that moment. Yeah. (laughs) It's so sweet. One of the ones that I think would be hardest to fix that like just feels like an inconsistency plot hole is that Rory didn't know what a Birkin bag was. Oh. I will never understand why Rory didn't know what a Birkin bag was. Why is that? First of all, her mom knew off the top of her head how many Jimmy Choo's she could buy for $75,000. That's fair. Not to mention... Lane and Rory would know who Jane Birkin is, who like the Birkin bags are named after because she was like an actress, like a singer. It's like a pop culture thing that I feel like they would have known. Yeah. Not to mention that like she went to Chilton and it's just like a bunch of rich girls. Like none of them ever mention Hermes. Like she goes to Yale. Yeah. This girl who's like grown up in these like private school society wouldn't know that when someone brings in like a giant orange designer shopping bag that it's not going to be really expensive. Yeah, I I could understand that. I didn't know what a Birkin bag was, so I think I just accepted that she didn't know what a Birkin bag was. So this is something I get very heated about because I just was like, why why does she not know? It's it's like that vibe of like, I'm not like other girls. Oh, that's true. You're right. I almost feel like it would have been better to have had her know what it is and be like, why is Logan Huntsberger giving me a $20,000 purse? But then where did it go? What did Rory Gilmore do with her $20,000 bag? Do they talk about it again? Never. To your underwear point, in the revival, Rory's like, I don't even have enough money for underwear. Why can't you sell your Birkin bag? Maybe she did. Maybe it's already gone. Like, I know that the budget was low for the revival, but I just would have loved, like, when she's, like, unboxing all of her things to just, Oh, like, yeah, to see some familiar things. Yeah, the pink leather ostrich bag. That's always the one that sticks out to me because a lot of people said, this is not something we're going to be able to cover in this episode. I think that we'll have to, like honestly dedicate a whole episode to this is what is Rory and Lorelai's morning schedule like? Oh god yes. How did they get ready so fast? That was something that like. How are they not a part of the 6am crowd? That's what I'm saying. Or is the 6am crowd only applicable to Saturdays? There were so many comments on this TikTok but so many of them were of that which I just was like wanted to touch on it but I was like I think we need to come back and make like a morning routine schedule from like wake up to like realistically. That's a great idea. Their lives would unfold. And the other one that 
a lot of people mentioned that like you can't really like fix it because there's no really way to do it is the layout of Lorelai's house. Yeah, um, Valerie posted something on her TikTok recently about the layout of Lorelai's house. Like how it like all maps out. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think just given the fact that they changed it, like that's just... Because that's what we've learned in our Patreon. It's like we're trying to figure out what like the exact moment is that like the closet transitions from being in the foyer to being where the bathroom is supposed to be because the foyer then becomes like an open layout and the piano is gone a lot of things get moved around obviously the house that was in the pilot is not the house that is in episode two and beyond and even that goes on to change where do these exits like between the kitchen and then the side door like where do they lead I'm very confused yeah it's just like a little maze house where it's just like you go out one door and you end up completely somewhere else (laughs) Yeah. And as we know, I believe the back of Lorelai's house is technically Suki's house from a set perspective. So I think that's why they like never really know. Like when she goes out the back door, she's suddenly on the side of the house when she should be in her backyard. Yes, exactly. And that's just like something that like you can't fix. But there are a lot of them that I feel like we can fix. All right, lay them on me. I want you to actually fix one that you brought up last week, which is how would you deal with the end of Max? To give it, you know, the weight of what we've just watched that she ended a engagement. Do you think that they were right to just like never mention it again to go on the road trip and just expect that Max knew? No. I would have loved if they didn't want to make a big fuss over it, which it sounds like that's what the writers were trying to do, right? They were almost trying to like sweep it under the rug and just let it be. Which is how they deal with most of their problems. (laughs) Which is how they deal with most of the endings of relationships. They just kind of go away. We talked about that on the last episode. Yeah, because it's like, The show has a lot of conflict, but it has very limited consequences to the conflict. Yes. Or those consequences come back way later. Yeah. Then at that point, we as an audience don't really care anymore. We're not as invested in it as we were. And also, the characters don't really care. Like when Max sees Lorelai again, he's just kind of like, you didn't love me. I'm sure he did not feel that, you know, (laughs) hands in the air about it. What therapist told him that? (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't like shrugging over it in season two. But I think that what I would have preferred is either for them to reveal to us finally in season three when Max and Lorelai see each other again, how it happened and kind of, getting the exposition through dialogue like Amy likes to do because I recognize that we don't need to see everything but I do think that we needed those questions to be answered how did this happen you just left yeah so if they weren't going to give us that satisfaction through the brief reuniting of Max and Lorelai in season three it was almost like why bring them back at exactly. all exactly I wish that maybe they had given us snippets of information as season two unfolded through conversations yeah. with Suki I mean in Runaway Little Boy like I mentioned last week they talk about it the ice cream maker shows up and that could have been like the perfect well in all Also, she's going on a date with that younger guy from her class, from her business class, who ends up being the cop in Pretty Little Liars. Did you watch that show? (laughs) Whenever I would rewatch it, I would always look at him and be like, you look so familiar, my dude. And then it hit me. I was like, oh my God, that's the cop from Pretty Little Liars. Which is funny because Pretty Little Liars, the town of... What's it called? Rosewood is Stars Hollow. It's Stars Hollow. Oh my God. I didn't even put two and two together. That's amazing. Anyway, it comes up that like, you know, she hasn't been on a date and Suki is encouraging her to go out. And Lorelai says, I was engaged, Suki. Like, that's not something you take lightly. But it's something you took lightly. That's the (laughs) best. 
I don't get it. So I wish that through episodes like that, when it came up, that maybe we could have gotten snippets of information. Yeah, I agree. I think there was just ways to like incorporate it. If they didn't want to do that, you know, nothing about it in season two. I do like the idea of like it kind of coming to light when he shows back up in season three. Yeah. But I almost wish that he would have like confronted her in a very like what the fuck happened sort of way. In a very why did you drop out of Yale kind of way. (laughs) Yes. Why did you end our engagement? Yeah. You didn't call. You lost all of your pen and papers. Yeah lost my phone number like I just there's so many times when I want people to like in the way that Jess confronted Rory look them dead in the eye and be like give me a fucking answer as to why you were being like this yeah in the same way that Rory looks Jess dead in the eye in the middle of Stars Hollow when he's chasing her through the streets yeah and is like I've thought about this moment for so long what do you have to say yeah you're right I think that would have been a very satisfying moment for the viewers even though I don't remember what it was like in real time because I wasn't watching the show in real time but even when I was watching it as a kid, I don't remember what feelings I felt towards Max if I, you know, really needed that closure necessarily yeah. because, of course, I was rooting for Lorelai and Luke. I think a lot of the audience was. So it's like, yeah. were we really needing those answers at the time? Yeah. But now evaluating it from a narrative perspective, it's like, uh, yeah. yeah. Where did he go? Does anyone ever do that to Lorelai? I was literally just about to ask the same thing because the reality yeah. is when she sleeps with Christopher, when like things with her and Luke are like, they're over but like they're freshly over like the body's not even cold yet and she (laughs) sleeps with Christopher right in partings your favorite episode Mm. I know you remember Me? Haley just Which waved at that? the screen. Sometimes I forget they can't see I know. Us. I wish they could. <laughs> Audio medium, Haley. It's a silly goose time. <laughs> but when she does tell Luke eventually, I slept with Christopher, Luke leaves and he punches Christopher in the face. Not that he should have punched Lorelai in the face. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but like, he leaves and he goes and punches Christopher oh gosh, in the face. I would have loved that. You know, obviously she and Luke have like that confrontation in the middle of the street. That's how he holds her feet to the fire is by being like sarcastic and surly and like, you know what? I didn't really care about this anyway. Instead of being like, why did you do this? Why did you do this? (laughs) Even though leading up to this, in my opinion, this was all on Luke. Oh, for sure. But all of this is to say that like when Lorelai does end relationships, there's really no like... They don't end. Yeah. So I would have loved to see Max kind of lay into her. Yeah, confront her for real. Like, I accepted it, but I want to know. Why did you never call? Why did you never write? It almost feels like we got more of a fight from him when they were breaking up the first time in Paris is Burning. When they're in the classroom before they kiss, he's like, what are you doing? Like, we got more from that than we did from her actually ending their engagement. We got more when he was trying to get her to date him in the Deer Hunters. Yeah. He was more persistent there. And I know it's like, quote unquote, off-screen scene, but like, I don't think there was an off-screen scene of them. No, because it's never talked about. So that's the thing is like, I either would have wanted to get snippets of how that unfolded in the road trip to Harvard or, you know, any of the episodes afterwards when Max's name is brought up, or I would have loved a confrontation in season three. If you're going to bring him back, do it for the right reasons. Make it dramatic. Yeah. I feel like you're punching her in the face. Punch her in the face with your words. I want, not like enraged, but I want impassioned. You just want answers. You want a scene. You want something to be like, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what the audience deserved. And this is what Lorelai deserved to hear after breaking this man's heart. I want someone who's hurt to like confront a Gilmore girl yes so rarely happens no it doesn't even happen with dean in season five he he does it to luke dean that's what rory says 
We talked about that. That's like also kind of a plot hole because like, of course, Dean's angry. Dean's always angry. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dean's entire personality is being angry. But yeah. I agree with you. That's another relationship that different to Max Medina. I don't necessarily think we needed to see another breakup so between either. Rory and Dean because we didn't even need to see another revisiting of that relationship. Third time's a charm, yeah. baby. Bye, Dean. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I hate it, but I loved it. No, I know. I the conflict it. The conflict was just right, but we didn't need to see another breakup between the two of them. I will say in terms of consequences, Dean does, like, as a result of the end of his relationship, see the most consequences because, like, we see, like, Lindsay, like, throwing all his shit out. I mean, he does end up with Rory for a brief period of time before they, like, end things. But, like, he also is having to, like, trade off shit with Lindsay. Because doesn't, like, Lindsay have the car one day or something like that. So, like, it's interesting that, like, everyone around... Because, like, Jess sees the consequences of, like, his actions. He didn't go to high school. So, like, Luke's kicking him out. Lane gets kicked out of her house. Yeah, you're right. You're totally (laughs) right. All the supporting characters. No consequences for the Gilmore girls. None for those girlies. But if I had to give them consequences, if I had to give Lorelai consequences in this instance with Max Medina, I would have loved to see a confrontation in season three or at least some answers provided in season three. I kind of would have loved a confrontation followed by them making out like they ended up doing. (laughs) Well, they did that in Paris is Burning. So it would feel like a repeat of what they've already been through. But I guess that would be an homage to the way they broke up the first time. Kind of like it. That's how we fix Max. The one that I have for you doesn't really go hand in hand with Max and Lorelai, but is a season three. There are a lot of characters that come into the Gilmore universe and then leave kind of with no explanation. (laughs) But this one is one that's like, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Shane. Oh. Where did Shane come from? Where did she go? Like that song was written about Shane. From now on, when I do that dance at weddings, I will think of her. Cotton-haired Shane. Where did she go? But where did she come from? Like, I can understand if she was someone who, like, came in and out, and we were like, she must be from another town. But then they had her working. When Roy was such a bitch to her. Bloaty is not a word. There's bloated, there's bloating, but no bloaty. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, how ice is made for you is probably fascinating. See ya, Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I think that's like on par with like Emily roasting Shira because it's like, what beef do you have with this girl? Uh, I I get behind Emily Gilmore more on that one, but Shane didn't really do anything to Rory. She's kind of innocent in all of this. It's like more in the sense of like, that's just fucking rude. It was very rude. You're right. That's not on the same level. I don't think I know anything about Shane. Like I know that she has blonde hair. But that's the thing. Had they not had her working at the Stars Hollow Beauty Supply, I would not really question Mm. where she came from where did Jess meet her but also where did she go after that she quit the beauty supply shop like I'm assuming she's from another town is that explained I know that you watch season three a lot more than I do it's never explained you assume that when Jess says to Rory at the end of the shoot Gilmore Stone they okay I've got to go take care of something now when they're standing on the bridge he murders her (laughs) you assume that Shane is dead he went to he went to Taylor Dosey. He contracted the Stars Hollow Mafia. He took a hit out on Shane because he doesn't say he's going to break up with Shane. He doesn't say he's going to go, you know, talk to Shane. He says, I got to go take care of something. Like, if that's not like a quote from The Godfather before someone ends up dead, I don't know what is, you know? You're right. I said I was not going to use the Stars Hollow Mafia to fix any of these plot holes because I was like, work within the realm of the show, work with what's real. But like, it's, it's very real to me. <laughs> you have made the Stars Hollow Mafia real. <laughs> Thank you.
I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Fitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. But if you had to make it real and we had to fix Shane. Okay, so it seems like it seems like they met over the summer. Mm -hmm. Do we think that they met at Walmart? Ooh, when did Jess get his job at Walmart? Mm, He gets it in season three, but he like we find out. Ooh, I forget when we find out what episode, but I will never forget the moment when Luke goes, Luke goes no when Luke goes Jess are you a gigolo and he's like, <laughs> no I work at Walmart oh god either way at some point halfway through season three it's learned that he's working at Walmart so yeah. I don't know when he started working there so I can't say for sure that Shane would be working there that's how they met I feel like this could have been fixed I think it's an application anxiety haunted leg when they have the conversation haunted in leg. the yes, grocery store in, st- in yeah. Josie's market oh my god yeah Classic. because she says something about Shane there does she not she does she says so nothing happened this summer and he's just like yeah. nope and then they have silence and he goes her name is Shane and she goes as in come back that was a reused line because when um Rory and Lane go to that party in season one the blonde friend of Paris's she says as in walk down yeah walk down a but I feel like that moment is where we could have found out where Shane where they met yeah like met her at my job met her on the the gazebo steps like I don't know I'm trying to think of where would Jess how would Jess who talks to no one meet a girl who also seems like she also like on the other end of the spectrum has very little to say yeah I'm not saying she's dumb no she actually seems kind of nice totally but I almost wish that Shane could have offered us a little bit of competition for Rory because it was very clear that the two I mean he even says it to Luke I don't care about her I don't even know her last name justice for Shane justice for Lindsay like 
I don't know, though. Did Shane have feelings for Jess or was was it like a mutual agreement? Look, this is like we're just hooking Mackin up. all over town. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I can't decide which one I would have wanted. I kind of like that Shane's just like, you know, like a puff of cotton candy that Jess oh, hangs out yeah, with. of course. But I almost like feel like, you know, on this show that's supposed to be like such girl power that like to have a character like Shane that seems like she's just kind of like dumb and one-dimensional I don't really like it yeah it almost would have been more interesting to have her have some sort of substance to her beyond being a good kisser in Jess's opinion yeah like I think that that would have been more interesting to see Rory like contend with yeah I would have rather seen her contend with someone like that in Jess's life than see her try to contend with Lindsay for Dean. Yeah, I think so too. Shane seemed nice. I think I would be as bristly towards Rory if I was Shane after she yelled at me at my place of work. Totally. But I do, I I can't decide how I would have wanted them to meet because I just can't, I literally can't imagine Jess meeting someone other than like literally walking into Rory Gilmore's bedroom and saying, hey, and immediately falling in love with her. Uh, Totally. Like he saw she had a bookshelf and he was like, oh my God. That's because we never ever see Jess have any other romantic prospects except for Shane if you even want to call her that. Do we feel like maybe it would have been more interesting to have had Jess end up with someone who was very similar to Rory, if not in temperament, at least in the way that she looked? Or did we like that it was someone who was like so her opposite? You mean in season three? Yeah. So like Rory rolls back up into town after being in DC, sees Jess with this girl and is like, Lorelai's like, he's dating you. If it was like Mm. something along those lines. Yeah, because we never really get that, do we? All these men pine after Rory Gilmore and yet the women that they either end up with or date afterwards are not really like her. We get Shane, which Jess wasn't with Shane after Rory, but you know what I mean? It was like but he was a very complicated situation. Yeah. But then Lindsay, very different. Yeah. And then even Odette, who was like a French heiress. Yeah. Who like, we can only assume that she's not like Rory. Because there's nothing wrong. No, definitely not. But like, Lindsay was a little plain. And they kind of bill Odette as being a little plain. And Shane, yeah. like you said, I love that you called her a puff of cotton candy. The only person <laughs> that I would say maybe kind of gives similar strokes to not even Rory. I would say Lorelai is Lucy with Marty. Okay. If we're going to count season seven. She's more interesting than any of the others. I will say... If we're comparing the two of them as like kind of being similar, I would say that Lucy gives off like fan fiction that I read Rory vibes. Mm. Like she feels so childish. Like she calls him boyfriend and that's oh, like the big plot so twist much. is it's Marty. Yeah. I don't know why I just like posed like Elsa when I said that. You did. You gave us some really nice like not jazz <laughs> like, hands, but magic hands. Hand choreography. Yes. You've got um. magic to do hands. <laughs> Pippin hands. No, I, I love Kristen Ritter for that reason. She gives us that like. Oh, see, I hate it. <laughs> I hate that character. Oh, no. I don't love Lucy's character. I just love Kristen Ritter as an I actress. Love Ritter, I love yeah. what she always brings to the TV shows that she's in. But it feels like fan fiction, Rory. Interesting. And I wonder how the audience would have responded to Jess being with somebody like her. Just more interesting. Yeah, she doesn't have to be like exactly like Rory, like super studious. Maybe she's just like short brown hair, maybe reads. I don't know. Just like something about her that like is like, that's you. I do think though that that's very predictable and I think that's why Amy did it. I also think the reason Amy did it is because she didn't want us to care about Shane. 
that's the thing is I think that it's just a little too on the nose formulaic yeah yeah I agree Amy doesn't like to really go by the book and in, in that regard she likes to make it more realistic and there is a yeah. there is realism to people dating people that remind them of their exes yeah because you like what you like but but also going like the exact to, to swing the pendulum too. in the other yeah. direction is very interesting as well I'm wondering how you would have felt if the person that Jess was hooking up with at the beginning of season three is the person that Dean ended up dating instead of Lindsay. <gasps> oh my God. Like how <laughs> so, spicy would that have been? Uh, how Riverdale of them. <laughs> yes. Dean starts dating. I mean, I could never Shane. see Dean and Shane together, but like if Shane was a different person. I also could never see Jess and Lindsay together. No. But like if Dean starts dating whoever Jess dumps for Rory Dang. and then marries that person and then Rory sleeps with Inside Dean. Man. Yeah. Or do you prefer the storyline that we got? I think it's a little bit like to Riverdale, like a little two days of our lives. But I like the idea of it. Like, yeah. I like the conflict that that would, like, present to these characters because you're like, what the fuck? I mean, I do think that there was something to be said about the fact that Dean ended up with a woman who he claimed to want. Like, the yeah. qualities the that Donner Lindsay Reed. had were the qualities he claimed to want in the Donna Reed episode. He got yeah. it and he was not satisfied. So I thought that that was very I clever like of the writers. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's saying about Jess is, like, he tried to be with a girl that was, like, the opposite of Rory, like, like a palette class. Cleanser, yeah. like her and her like uh, puffy bleach blonde hair which I love oh, yeah. I say that affectionately like to call her a puff of cotton candy was a compliment because she just like seems like you know it's a cold open where Lorelai says now that she's a blonde she just all blends in in a haze of beige mm. that's what Shane reminds me of yeah. but anyways I think I just would have wanted to have known where Shane and Jess met yeah because them breaking up and her kind of seemingly disappearing dying as we possibly decided possibly dead <laughs> that's why Jess had to skip town mafia was coming for him he had to make a payment on his hit that he put out that's why he started working at walmart yeah oh my gosh yeah he had to pay for the hit that the stars hollow mafia put out on shane so he had to work at walmart he had to skip school and that's why he had to leave because he shouldn't tell luke the real reason of why he was going to california Haley, we're not using the stars hollow mafia to solve these <laughs> problems i'm gonna remind you of that right now but anyway all of this is to say i don't know how we would have resolved that without either i guess a dialogue explanation in haunted leg yeah i think that like just a little drop of like how'd you meet her or if this was a person that was already established in town i kind of like that she was someone new like season three shakeup what if she would have been a student at Chilton see that is another thing I thought of I'm like what if it was like Madeline or Louise (laughs) no no that's too much they would be so the brunette one would be all over Jess I think that after having watched Rory's dance when um, Blonde Girl was like, you're super tall to Dean, I think they both would have been into Jess. Of totally. Course. But like, I kind of almost wish it was like some girl in like the background and Rory's at school, like behind her locker, Ooh. like, and was like staring at her, watching her and like, wow. you know, where they would have met, I still don't know. But I, I, I feel like they could have dropped that in the haunted like dialogue. And then Shane is, bye Shane. We don't know where you came from. We don't know where you went. Where did you go? Cotton haired Shane. <laughs> <laughs> cotton candy shane (laughs) 
the callback, the female version of Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. Cotton Candy Shane. Cotton Candy Shane. The next one that I have is like one that I have such a problem with. And I think a big reason why is kind of where season seven takes this storyline. Okay. Or rather season seven doesn't pick up this storyline in a big way that they should have. This is kind of like a two-parter because in, um, you know, the end of season five, Rory drops out of Yale. Mm -hmm. She misses a whole semester. And Mm -hmm. then like it's in um, a Vineyard Valentine when Logan is like telling her to slow down and she's like trying to fit four semesters into three if I slow down I'll be whomped and it's like oh why then at the end of season six when Logan goes to London she spends her whole summer doing nothing and then she graduates on time so it's like you would have thought that maybe like over the summer she was taking classes you know like doing something like that Mm -hmm. but more so this is like the real one that I want to try to fix is in the prodigal daughter returns the entire storyline of Rory up until like her and Lorelai reunite is trying to get a job at the Stanford Stanford Eagle Gazette. Gazette. Because she calls the editor, Stuart mm-hmm. Waltz, mm-hmm. and he is going to give her a letter of recommendation. He was like, whatever happened with you and Mitchum? Like, yeah, I, don't know what happened, I don't know what happened. The- he's an ass. You're awesome. Yeah. He's like, you're great. Yeah. Which, like, we can spend a whole episode talking about the conversation Rory and Mitchum have. But, you know, he was like, I don't have a job for you. But then she spends the whole episode harassing this man for a job. Yeah. Like, leaves her portfolio. It's so fascinating that, like his send-off to that is like, I wish I could hire you here, but I don't have a job. And the next scene we see Rory in, she's sitting in like the lobby. And I feel like that's like the first time that we come back to like Rory having like this like drive. Because like that's what she lost. So in coming back to herself, I think a big return to Rory was like her haranguing her teachers and being like, I'm gonna get into your class. And then in the episode before of like, I'm gonna work here. And ultimately he does. He acquiesces. Give her a meeting. Yeah. He's like five minutes. And she's like, you won't be sorry, boss. And we never like actually see him like offer her a job. I was just about to say that. We never see him offer her a job, but she tried to get that job so badly and then it fell off. Yeah. So I can, like, see maybe, like, he had a part-time job for her. Because she still, like, has a full course load. She's trying to fit four semesters into three. She's, like, editor of the Yale Daily News. I don't think she is. She's not at this point. at this point. But she becomes it. And so it's almost like it would make sense that you would spend your summer now while Logan is in London working at this paper or doing classes or like there was a way to like incorporate that into the storyline but it just like completely fell off to me it makes sense that at the end of season seven Rory doesn't have any opportunities yeah because she spent the whole summer before not doing anything not catching up on any of her classes and not being in this job do you think that like to fix this to have Rory in season six have this storyline of having this job do you think that that would have been in any way interesting or do you think that we expired it because it was a plot device location for her to have this conflict with Mitchum that ultimately propelled the entire narrative of season six or like the beginning at least. I do think that it would have been really exciting to see her there in a new role because like you said it's kind of used as a plot device to show us that she's stepping back into herself or the the Rory that we root for right yeah I would have loved to see that but I think that it was supplemented by her taking over at the Yale Daily News yeah and it almost sounds like the writers didn't feel like putting her in that position again but it would have been a major full circle moment for her to get that job and succeed at that job yeah and in some some way like I don't know what it would have looked like to like to quote unquote succeed to like prove that Mitchum, Mitchum was, was wrong, wrong and that she does have it yeah oh because 
all Mitchum ever gave her the chance to do was to be an administrative role. He never saw her be a journalist. Like, I digress. But, like, to have in some way her, like, redeem that in, like, a meaningful way, I guess. Because I feel like, you know, getting to be the editor of the Yale Daily News was a group effort. Like, she really spearheaded it. But, like, you know, Logan helped. Of course. But you know what I would have liked to see if we were going to take it in the Stanford Eagle Gazette direction? And especially if she was going to maintain her relationship with Logan, which subsequently means that Mitchum is still in her life. Mm. I would have loved to see her climb the ladder at the Stanford Eagle Gazette and literally conquer it and then have Mitchum be like oh well you think that that's a big win the Stanford Eagle Gazette is a small newspaper okay you know what that made me think of though because I feel like this what you're saying would have been a good season seven pickup yeah Logan's in London she continues this job because like a staff writer position for a college student who's like super busy is probably like part-time in whatever capacity sure, it is. Yeah. Especially if she's catching up. Yeah. So over the summer, it probably feels like she would have picked it up. And one of the biggest things that like, I don't know if I've talked about on TikTok or here, I forget, is when Partings, which I've watched a couple times, when yeah. Rory gets into the elevator and talks to Mitchum and ultimately agrees with Mitchum that Logan needs to go to London and grow up because he literally says anything you're not agreeing with here and she doesn't say anything and it's like how dare you agree with like your boyfriend's like worst enemy who is his father and not like be supportive of him I digress but something I've always wanted is for that conversation to make its way back to Logan like I would have loved to have seen that in season seven of like the impact of what that was for their relationship so I think to have seen Rory working at the Sanford Eagle Gazette while Logan is in London and like how Mitchum would have like impacted their long distance relationship between that happening mm, do you know what, I, what I'm yeah. trying to say yeah I understand because ultimately Mitchum been um driving Miss Gilmore in yeah. episode 21 season six Mitchum is like singing her praises so like I think in that point her having that job like would have changed his tune a little bit yeah But, like, I would have loved to have seen that conversation that Mitchum and Rory had come back to Logan through the plot line of her working at the Stanford Eagles Gazette somehow. I don't know. That just all came to me. Interesting. This has gone in a different direction than the plot line that I was trying to fix, but... Yeah, reeling it back to the just the Stanford Eagle Gazette yeah. at all. I, I think I really would have loved to see her follow through on that because it seems like yeah. she was up it against a wall so and she was big. trying to kind of like smash the wall down and we never really find out if she did or didn't. That's yeah. the reality. We never find out if she got the job because people are like, didn't she get a job at the Stanford Eagle Gazette? And you're kind of led there and in that direction, but then we never hear about it again. That probably would have answered a lot of people's feelings because everyone always says that Mitchum was right and Rory didn't have it. Yeah. I think that having that play out and like having her work there and do that sort of thing, I think maybe that's what they thought they were doing with the Yale Daily News and saving the paper and Friday Night's All Right for Fighting. Right. But I feel like it needed to be in the place where she was put down. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. Like stand up in the place where she was knocked down. Yeah. Because that also kind of promotes the theme that Rory is only successful in an educational sense. Yeah. Once Rory is out in the real world, she's unsuccessful, which is a common theme on this show. Mm, Interesting. I really think there was so much room in it to bring it back for season seven. Because season seven doesn't start with the school year, which is what like it kind of has been in the past. 
there's like usually like one or two but like Rory's moved back in with Lorelai not at school not doing anything I think to have her starting the Stanford Gazette and giving like more complexity to her storyline because nothing happens to Rory in season seven right do you think that Amy would have done that I don't know well I wonder if that's why it was set up that way because maybe Amy was going to bring it back in season seven yeah because that also would have been a really good opportunity for Rory to like really put down roots there so that she could have a job out of college because it also reminds me in season five when she comes back from her like trip and trip to Europe and oh what is his name Glenn Glenn had an article pulled from the Yale Daily News into so the New York Times Mm -hmm. yeah and he it's like this joke that he like knows all of these like writers there and Rory like cuts it out of the newspaper and like pins it up and is like what have I been doing like I went to Europe like people are getting published yeah where did that go right we know that it where it went is like she left school and whatnot but I feel like that moment should have come back with the Stanford Eagle Gazette in the spirit of like Logan went to London so like now she's just gonna sit and pine over her boyfriend that's never been Rory yeah I agree when it comes to that specific storyline of her kind of coming home to herself and not taking no for an answer coming home to herself that's a really good way to put it I think that it's a good plot device to use I wish they had followed through on it and I wonder if Amy set it up so that they could later on in subsequent seasons yeah because I think a lot of people don't like season six because I think that the conflicts actually actually gets really simplified yeah. towards the end where it's like all of the conflict is with their boyfriends yeah they don't really have any with each other because we just saw that we don't have any really with the Gilmores because we resolved that in Friday Night's All Right for Fighting right and so like I think to have Rory doing something else mm. there's that scene in um, Bridesmaids Revisited when she goes to like the talk of all of like the heads of the different college papers mm-hmm. where Leslie Odom Jr. is yeah. from the Princeton Review I forget what it's called. Yeah. That could have been a Stanford Eagle Gazette scene. Totally. So like to have just dedicate a whole episode to it and then let it go. Yeah. Again, I think it was the writers using it as a means to show everybody that she was starting to like come back to the worry we all know. Yeah, and root for. definitely. I will say the next one I want to fix also had a whole episode dedicated to it. Okay. And it just where'd it go when Jackson became the town selectman? Oh, everybody's been waiting for us to talk about this one. Because it's like, what the fuck? It's such a big deal. Taylor yeah. has been the town selectman for years before we even arrived on the scene but like we have watched five seasons of this man as the town selectman that's all he has and now someone is finally a contender yeah Yeah. it's in um tippecanoe and taylor too i didn't know that i could feel sad for taylor yeah like seeing him sit in his soda shop knowing that no one was gonna vote for him he only got 10 votes that was like such a good storyline for like all of the townies and like everything that was going on there i know and then Jackson stands up and he's like I have a job I have a life what did I why did I do this yeah and everyone's like an honest man yay (laughs) that was their opportunity to have him decline it yeah I thought like that's kind of where that was headed yeah you can tell he doesn't want it yeah what do they leave on his doorstep like big scissors yeah and Emily says hello the only like real like reminder we get of it is like he's hiding outside of Dozie's yes makes Lorelai go inside they leave like ribbon cutting like giant scissors on his porch and yes. then they like trick him into coming into the into town, the town and that's meeting. it yes. yes and isn't there I want to say it's before Emily says hello but you may know better than I do when Jackson comes in and he spilled the tomato juice all over his shirt and while Suki is like trying to help him Lorelai's like hey uh Jackson I just need you to sign something for this uh vegetable order and it's not for a vegetable order it's for like town stuff for them to get extra parking spaces and he's like you tricked me but it's one of those that I just feel like they make mention of it's a whole big deal and then 
what episode does Taylor come back in and he's the town selectman? It's not till season six. Really? He does like the Stars Hollow restoration. Oh, I forget what the name of whatever he does in To Live in that Diorama. Yeah. But you're kind yeah. of assuming that he's in a position of power again. It's like when they ring the bells. Taylor's going to be out of town. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in, like, the sweatsuit. Yeah, when oh, they I forget dress, the name of the episode. When they dress uh, Paulinka up as... Oh, the do- Doggy... Doggy Swami. I don't remember. I can't remember wow, this anything. Is our job. I know. Taylor is standing outside, because it's a cold open where the bells are ringing. Yeah, the bells are ringing. They're like, town meeting, town meeting. Yeah. Well, they're sleeping in the renovated bedroom, so we know it's in yeah. season six. Oh, it's, um... Is it just like Gwen and Gavin? I was going to say just like Gwen and Gavin. Yeah, it's just like Gwen and Gavin. So it's like season six, episode 12 is when he returns as a town selectman. Because I don't think there's like any town events happening that like suddenly he's the town selectman Well, yeah, because the the central focus is more on the girls and the rift there. The girlies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people don't like season six is because we lose a lot of like the ambiance and the aesthetic of the early season with like the background of Stars Hollow. Yeah. I'm one of those girlies. Yeah. Maybe I don't like it. No, I do. Well, no, you, it's... It's Logan Huntsberger. Can't deny it. (laughs) I don't like it when it comes to comfort food. We talked about this in rankings. Oh, yeah. From a writing perspective, I teeter. There are some things that I'm like, yes, I'm on board and other things I'm like, "Eh." Do you not find it comfortable to have like contained anxiety contained conflict you know how it's gonna end i find it more comfortable than uncontained conflict <laughs> like if you were ranking it yeah that would make sense like if i was ranking I, the two i guess yeah. i'd prefer that one mm, yeah well, i think it's because lorelei and rory are the anchor of the show and so when your anchor is not anchoring you anymore you're unmoored no good i like it anyway <laughs> back to the town select back to it all. okay that's what we were talking about i keep getting so far away from this i think the reason that people take such issue with it is because it's never spoken about again that's what people take issue with Ever. when it comes to plot holes is that like we could have at least mentioned this most of these plot holes could be fixed with just one sentence from one character yeah or a brief conversation between two characters and i'm not saying that it's like a huge deal these are background characters that a lot of like not the rory thing but like this these are background characters that this is kind of happening to yeah but like with max that that affects lorelei and like calls into question her choices and like we're invested in the town of course we are like the girlies i think that like to have had this huge storyline this huge episode about this election and becoming town selectman i liked what you said that like when he was like i have a job i have a life what did i do yeah and then patty asked jackson if he wants to say something to his constituents and he says no (laughs) that was his only response and taylor's like i do and he gets up and like gives a speech and i feel like that was the perfect moment for jackson to be like i concede because the whole conflict was that like he had to move his greenhouse because it had to be 10 feet but it was nine and a half feet from like the edge of the sidewalk all it had to be is like i concede on the condition that i don't have to move my greenhouse yes i kind of would have loved all of this huge hoopla like the band there all of like this like effort that they put into and jackson gives up super easily yes don't even have the rest of the conflict of him like struggling to be the town selectman just be like i don't want this and end it there the problem with all of these is that this is a narrative show 
that was not necessarily a sitcom, but yeah. it toes the line between being a sitcom and a soap opera, right? Like dramedy. We get the, that's why we get the dramedy, right? Yeah. I feel like if you're gonna lean into the sitcom and even use those yeah, situations, the are very sitcommy. Yeah. yeah. And even if you use those situations and you know have them interwoven into the narrative, that's okay. They don't need to last for one episode. But if it's only gonna last for one episode, wrap it up. Yeah. But if we're not going to do that for every conflict but we are going to do it for some of them people are going to have questions so it's like I agree with you I think that that situation in general could have been tied up like a sitcom it could have been one episode yeah and I think that would have been great the other thought there is that I feel like it is out of character for Taylor to not gloat about the fact that Jackson couldn't handle it yes to at least not mention it. Like, what if they were at a town meeting and Jackson I was just about up? to say that. Taylor says something like, well, couldn't handle the pressure, could you? I lit Tara, that was my exact thought. Because when Emily says hello, that's when they force him into the town meeting. I would have loved for Women's of Questionable Morals to have started with a cold open at a town meeting with Taylor leading it. Uh, He's like, first meeting back because some of us can't handle the pressure oh, and like Jackson's yes. there. Like that would have been so perfect oh, like, to not even great. address the fact that he left, but just Taylor's there and like, because I kind of like that we get this sense of like Taylor, who's like a terrible antagonist to Lou or like a, an incredible antagonist to Luke, but like he's terrible to Luke. Such a busybody. He's he has like a busybody. He's got a big head. He's very like power hungry. Yeah. And but like when we see Jackson do it, he's like, wow, this is really fucking hard. Yeah. And we kind of get a glimpse of that in Teach Me Tonight when Lorelai says like, I'm going to take over oh, and pick yeah. the movie for Movie in the Square Night. And he's <laughs> like, all right, best of luck to you. Yeah. And then she tries to do it and she yeah. can't. It would have been cool to see a storyline unfold that way because that's the other side of this, right? Not just how could we have resolved this? How could they have done better at executing that? How could they have used yeah. that to their advantage to create more like fun conflict in the town of like this random rivalry between Taylor and Jackson like if we weren't gonna wrap it up in one episode don't get lazy about it don't just leave scissors on the front of Jackson and Suki's stoop or like to come out with the fact that it was Taylor who left them there oh yeah like that kind of it would have been funnier that's the thing is that they just sort of let it fizzle because like I feel like sometimes they like really let things just like completely fizzle off and you're like think it's almost like a cliffhanger because that's what we talked about that happened when like Jess says I love you to Rory we think that the next episode is going to be like her reacting or responding or it's going to be like an emotional response to it we don't hear anything yeah nothing ever comes of it yeah I kind of feel like this is one of those moments where they're kind of just like well that's done that story's over but like for the sake of consistency in this like otherwise really smart show we lost that and it would have been really good I like all the ways that we fix this I feel like any of them would have been good yeah I think we did a good job at kind of resolving a lot of these <laughs> good, and job. good job good <laughs> job yay <team>. us <laughs> I'm really proud of us if you guys have any of them we'll do a little question box if you have like a different way you wanted to fix them oh that's a great idea yeah, oh, our listeners come up with some really, really good stuff. Or call our Gilmore to Consider hotline. Yeah. yeah, call into our number. We have it listed on our Instagram. If you feel like we should have handled some of these differently, I'd actually love to hear it. I yeah. love listening to the Ooh, Gilmore yeah. to Consider phone I calls. Know. They're great. I can't wait for our next episode, which is going to be on Thursday. But 
I know that there are also a lot of plot holes that we did not cover and we are certainly not finished but I would have to say that a lot of them come from the town like I would say that the writers on this show have a tendency to like develop stories like we were just talking about with Jackson and Taylor and then let them fizzle off because I think they think we don't really pay as much attention to the town as we do to the Gilmore Girls but like the town is the heart of this show yeah that's why season seven to me was like a little wonky they got the town wrong they did because if the town of Stars Hollow is not right this show does not exist. That's what makes this show interesting. It's not just the dynamic between Lorelai and Rory. It's yeah. the way that the town comes together. I love so many of those townies so much. It's the events, the town events they plan. It's how oh, they love the Gilmore Girls. That's the magic of this show. Yeah. That is the definitely. heart and soul of this show. And we'll have more to say on that in the next episode. Follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast and make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on now as we will have a new episode out every Tuesday because we always have more to say. And if you have more to say, find us on Patreon where you can support the pod, join our Gilmore Obsessed community, and access bonus episodes every month. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn Earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra twenty-five cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus.